Great leadership is about principles. From our work with hundreds of school leaders, it is clear that those who understand this are the ones who thrive. At Making Stuff Better, we create regenerative spaces. Whether these be through executive coaching, coach training, or our group programs, one principle is clear. The principle of belonging comes up time and time again. So with this in mind, here at Making Stuff Better, we are making 2023 the year of belonging. This show is a series of journeys we will take to explore what belonging means in an international school in the 21st century. What does it feel like? How do you create it? What matters most about it? And do we even need it at all in our schools? Join us as we discuss leadership stories from around the globe and uncover what belonging means today and why leaders may need it to thrive. By me, Matt Hall, and my friend and colleagues, Jill Kelly and Naomi Ward. Powered by Making Stuff Better. Hello, folks. Just jumping on because we are increasingly being asked by colleagues about how they might create more regenerative conversations in their setting. Similarly, lots of people are asking us about how they might bring coaching into their schools, or they may be asking us about how they might train as a coach themselves. Well, with that in mind, I'm delighted that we're going to be running a two-day online training in Prologue. Prologue is our introduction to coaching for educators, and it's going to take place on the 6th and 7th of June. It's for you if you know about the power of coaching, you want to bring a more coach-like being and thinking and doing into your leadership, whatever your role in your setting is. I guarantee it will be an enriching personal development experience and you'll really deepen your connection to yourself and to others. So you're warmly invited to join us. We'll be meeting online from 7am to 1pm BST. Loads of breaks as we go on the 6th and 7th of June. The link to find out more and to book is in the show notes or you can go to msbprolog.eventbrite.co.uk. And as an MSB podcast listener, if I can say that, you will get £50 off if you enter the code MSB podcast as you check out. The training is going to be facilitated by Naomi and Jill, who also, as you know, host the podcast and are really, really good at this work. They really know what it is to coach. They really know what it is to work in schools. And the combination of those two things creates a really great training experience. It'll be really good fun, highly engaging, very interactive. And I hope hugely useful to anyone thinking about bringing coaching to their school or just looking to develop their ability as a coach themselves. We hope to see you there, but let's get on with this week's show. Well, welcome to this episode. And yeah, really delighted to be joined by Joe Heap, who is the director of Towsy Festival in the UK. Welcome, Joe. Tell us a bit about yourself and tell us a bit about the festival. Hi, Matt. Hi, Jill. Lovely to be here. So Towersy Festival is the longest running independent festival in the country. It was started by my granddad back in 1965, would you believe? So it was a festival before festivals even existed as such. And it's kind of a a big community music-based event, but with a whole load of other stuff going on as well. Lovely. We've both been, we both have, we know it firsthand and it's been a big part of my history because like you, Joe, I, I grew up near it. So I guess if, what on earth is the director of a music festival doing on a podcast for educators about belonging? Well, well, let's just frame that first because I've been to the festival. I've seen all of the reviews and regularly see what people are saying on social media about Towsie. It's clearly a really special and unique event. And one of the things that always stands out to me, it's why we wanted to talk to you is that 
I see consistently people saying it's kind of four days of the year where I really feel at home. It's, you know, it's the one thing in my annual calendar where I really feel like I belong. So that's what we're going to explore. And let's just jump in with that. Like, why do people say that about Towsie, the, the one place they belong? Yeah, well, it's interesting when you kind of, you know, catch the question of how do we create this sense of belonging? Well, a couple of things came to mind, really. The first one was that we don't create it actually kind of creates itself. It comes from the people that come to the festival in the sense that it's very much about community. So, you know, yes, we create it in the sense that we build it and we nurture it, but we don't, you know, we don't make it ourselves. It comes from that sort of sense of ownership. And one thing I thought about is for the Towersy, we use that word quite a lot. We use ownership. We say that, you know, the festival belongs to or is owned by all these people. So maybe ownership and belonging are, are similar in that sense. But it's not like a material sense of ownership. It's like a kind of more emotional sense. So it's about people belonging to something bigger than themselves, but that they all have an equal kind of share in, in a way, I suppose. Just to pick up one thread of that then, it kind of links to how you introduced the festival. I'm sensing, and I may be wrong, but there's something, you know, often in, in our explanation of belonging, we're finding out about the role of ancestry and kind of links to the past. And that there's something in what you've said and something about the fact, you, you know, you said it's, it was founded by your grandfather. Does that play a role, that kind of that long-standing history? Yeah, totally, totally. And, and actually, that was going to be my second point, is that having said that we don't create it, or perhaps we do, if you look at the heritage, yeah. So my grandparents, Dennis and Sheila, who helped to found the festival were, you know, in the truest sense, socialists. You know, they believed in society, they believed in people, you know, they believed in fairness and openness. And they brought that into the festival and they wanted to share a sense of community and, and a sense of kind of culture and heritage. And I think that passion is what fueled the festival in the early years. And now it's still very much at the heart of what we do. So it's, it kind of trickles down, you know, from generation to generation. And it sort of, it sort of seeps into you at Towersy as, as you go through the festival. So it seeps through the team and it seeps through the volunteers and the artists and the traders and the customers. So that when you arrive on site, there's almost a just like a kind of groundswell of generosity and togetherness that creates that sense of belonging. So if you're new to the festival, you almost sense that on a kind of quite deep level without anything specific. It's not like we go, okay, let's create a thing here that will create a sense of belonging. It just kind of comes from, yeah, from that trickle down of years and years. I'm just curious about that sounds and having been to the festival, I absolutely felt that. I was back, as you were talking about it, Joe, I was kind of taking myself back to when we were there in the height of summer. It's beautiful summer day that we were there and you can feel it. It just, the big thing I felt was safety and really welcoming, mm. really welcoming. And I wondered, there's so many, there's so many questions I'd like to ask, but one thing that came in my head there was that I had a real sense of that community and love, if we use the word love continuing when you couldn't do it during the pandemic. Is that the case? Was that really strong? Yeah. I mean, that's really when it hit home for me in particular, just how much it means to people and just what a sense of community we have. Because, yeah, we kind of reached out to that community and went, you know, help. They were desperate to help and also to continue having those Towsy experiences. So, yeah, we ran two sort of digital online events and a Christmas event and, you know, they were overwhelmingly successful because of that community and that sense of belonging to that community. So no, absolutely. 
this podcast is also about leadership. What did, this might seem like a daft question, but what did that sense of community give you during that crisis moment when you had to lead through that? You must have had moments mm-hmm. when you thought this isn't going to work. We're not going to get this back on its feet. There must have been times. And, or, or maybe not. Maybe yeah. you were so absolutely buoyed by it that, yep, I'm absolutely sure it's going to come back. It, it sounds a bit grand, but actually it saved us and it saved me, you know, to a certain extent because we were, you know, we were really in a pickle and yeah. I was really, really down and really struggling, like like lots in the arts community and the cultural sector. You know, I just thought, how are we going to get out of this? How's this going to end? You know, how are we going to survive this? We had no income, no no real thought of how we were going to replace that income or, or what we were going to do. So for a while there, you know, we thought this was it. So, yeah, to a certain extent, when we did those digital kind of fundraising initiatives and, and events, you know, it was the thing that turned it around and the thing that made us go, we can survive this. And more than that, we can actually recognize this community and use that going forward and kind of go, let's, let's build on that. Let's make that stronger. Yeah, such, such a familiar story, particularly in that, that you know, we were nervous about mentioning the P word, but it seems there's so many... It's accentuated belonging community yeah. so strongly in so many organizations. One of the observations, again, that we're discovering in this process is, you know, we've talked about the role of ancestry and, and heritage. The other one that seems to emerge, which I think may be relevant to Towsie, but again, I'm, I'm kind of curious, is one of ritual and the role ritual plays in creating belonging and reminding people of belonging. And I know this has been a challenge for you because you've made quite a lot of changes. You were making a lot of changes before the pandemic and then you've had to make changes. But I I sense you also are very good at keeping hold of, other people might call it traditions, but there's kind of things that I know that you regularly make sure are there, whatever you're doing, even if you're changing the site, even if you're online and not in reality. Do you think that that plays a part? And if so, could you just tell us a bit about it? Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, tradition or ritual means different things to different people, of course. Uh, And certainly Towersy was built on tradition, traditions of music and culture and dance and song. But I, the way I see it now, more than anything, is it's just the tradition of the festival itself. It's the tradition of that gathering. It's the tradition of people coming together for the last weekend of August. You know, people refer to it as, you know, the final sort of fling of the summer and that they wouldn't be anywhere else on that weekend. So it's almost like a pilgrimage, you know, and... Yeah, you're right. There are certain elements of Towsie that will always be there and that help to engender that sense of belonging. Things like the Cayley and the the engagement programme that we facilitate. So there's an awful lot of learning and sharing of skills and and talks. And recently we've brought in a lot of mindfulness as well and things like that. So there are little elements that we bring in or that are traditions that run through the festival. But overwhelmingly, I'd say that the way I see ritual and tradition is it's a ritual to come to the festival to be at the festival you've just taken me somewhere else which is the, i'm really interested in that wider picture because i know towsy kind of positions itself as predominantly as a folk festival i know lots of other stuff happens there and there is a strong tradition in that you know if you zoom out of test for towsy you think about that kind of art form i'm curious about your perspective of where belonging is created or the relationship between belonging and kind of the folk music scene in the uk it's huge, but it's not, it's not just in folk music, I should say. I mean, my, my background, of course, is in folk music, but also in theatre and so on. And I think in all of those different creative industries, they all have an amazing sense of belonging that is built from those, those shared experiences. And I think certainly for folk music, 
its roots are not in performance. Its roots are in education and sharing, telling stories, furthering people's understanding about each other and the world around them. And so I guess from that point of view, because it has those roots, that sort of filters through into the music. And I think that's true of lots of musical genres and lots of cultures and art. Art isn't about performance, really. Art and culture is about sharing stories, sharing experiences, sharing time with people, trying to engender change in people. You know, that's what culture is about. It's not about getting up on stage and performing. Yeah. And I wonder... I'm into that. (laughs) Yeah. And that storytelling thing obviously feeds into that sense of ancestry. Do you feel that there's a responsibility as a leader for continuing that story? I do. Yeah, of course. There's a, a quite a sort of weighty responsibility, but that I share with a whole load of other people. One of the things I, I truly believe in is that nobody is bigger than the festival. Nobody's more important than the festival and the festival will continue, whether it's me or somebody else, because there's such a strong link to it for so many people. You know, my whole family is involved in it, you know, right from parents to grandchildren and so on. So you know, it would survive beyond me. But yes, there is a sense of responsibility. And certainly during the pandemic and during those tough times, that really hits home that you feel an enormous sense of kind of responsibility for that. But then when you bring that community of people around you, you experience that sense of belonging and you go, oh, okay, this is shared. You know, this is okay. There are people out there who want this to happen and will support you and will help you. And one of the things I... I kind of thought about when I thought about my own personal belonging is I thought that's what's important to me. When I felt real moments of belonging in my life, it was about the people that supported me and the people that were around me, you know, and I think that's, you know, that's a massive shared experience then. So I'm going to pick up on that. I think that's there's some real learning there for me that, you know, just your couple of things in, in what you've said in that, that shared culture's shared experience. It's not getting up on a stage. And I think often... I think there's a real parallel there, actually, because sometimes you think about the functions of schools and that it's very easy to get very, you know, we've had discussions on the podcast already about whether belonging is an outcome or whether it's an input. And people experience of schools, schools inevitably, because of a whole range of reasons, get very hung up on outcomes. But actually what I love, I think there's some real learning for me there around what schools are doing and creating shared experience. You know, and likewise, I was given a lovely perspective on coaching the other day, which, you know, we do a lot of, which is the coaching actually isn't a tool. Coaching is is actually a process of learning through conversation. So again, coaching is creating a shared experience. So in some ways, I, I mean, I almost feel challenged. I almost feel like I want to challenge your first assertion, which is we don't plan for belonging or, you know, you kind of said belonging is just something that happens, but it actually sounds like everything you do is about creating belonging more so than it is creating amazing stage shows or brilliant music or incredible theatre. Yeah, I think maybe it is, but it's an unconscious or a subconscious process. You know, like so many things in life, it's not, we don't consciously set out, but because it's kind of in our DNA, that's what we want to create at Townsie. That that happens naturally. You know, I think we don't go, oh, let's create another great learning experience. We just go, let's do this. And it turns out that it's a fabulous shared experience that people love. One of the things when I reflected back on when have I felt a sense of belonging in my life? I kind of thought, wow, when were those moments? And they were always moments when I could be completely me. That was the thing. And I think that's what Towersy does, is it allows people to be their most authentic, true selves. They can let down the armour, 
They can dress how they want, dance how they want, sing how they want. They can let all of that armor go and they can be themselves. And I think for me, that's really powerful. And that just came from looking back and thinking, what are the moments when I felt by myself? And they're few and far between as adults. You know, we don't have them very often. And I'm sure teachers must have this all the time because they're desperately trying to do this incredible job at the same time as trying to stay true to themselves. And that's, that's tough. And I think what you've done so beautifully in that festival and from what I was thinking of when you were talking there, Joe, was if you had your granddad in front of you now, what would he and your grandma, grandmother, what would they be saying about what explicitly they were putting in place? Because someone started it and they did. And what did they consciously do? And I'd love to have them here and, you know, to get their answers on that. But I suppose what they've done over time and all the iterations, your parents, now yourself and all of your family, you're creating a space where so many people with different layers of belonging are feeling safe. So belonging is such a huge concept and it's deeply personal, like you say, how you can be authentically you in moments in your life is when you felt you've most mostly belonged, strongly belonged somewhere. And the sense that I've got, you've created this space over time where people with different concepts or even feelings about what belonging is feel like they belong. Yeah, we're just picking up on that. There's people experience it in different ways. And I, and I think obviously people experience belonging in different ways in, in, in all walks of life. Some people find belonging in standing in a field on their own and being in nature. That's That might be their yeah. sense of belonging. And people can do that at Teriosity. They can come and they can have a journey on their own and have space and time and just sit and watch concerts. Or they can throw themselves into the cave and that can be the thing that they find belonging in. But one thing they will always do is they will find connection with other people. So even if their belonging is about solitude, they'll still find an amazing connection with their neighbor on the campsite who just reaches out and goes, Hey, do you want a cup of tea? You know, and that's, and suddenly their experience is kind of enhanced in some way. But yeah, I think you're right. Everybody can experience it in their own way. So I, I just want to go back to that. You know what you said that for four days in the, at the end of August, people would come to Towsie belong because they can be themselves. It's such a huge theme in schools. And I know it's probably hard to really break down, but yeah, I guess why? Like, why can you go to a, a field in Buckinghamshire for four days and be yourself, but in a way that you, that you maybe can't for the other 361 days of the year? I think you're able to let your guard down, you know, get rid of all of the sort of armor that we all wear from everyday life. So I think, you know, people talk about it as, you know, pure escapism and another lovelier world is something that somebody said once. And, you know, when I think about belonging, I think the things that get in the way of feeling truly where you truly belong in a space are those everyday things, the way that we were, the way that we were brought up, that are the expectations of work and life and, you know, all of those things. And so a few days in a field in Buckinghamshire, you can let go of those things completely and just be in, in that wonderful Swiss. But I suppose people experience that in a small way, just on almost any holiday, they can kind of just forget everything else. But what Towsie does is it allows them to share that with a whole load of other people that are having that same experience. There's something in there I'm suspecting about something you're doing to create trust. To be able to do that, you've got to be able to trust that you won't be judged that you won't look stupid, that you won't be threatened. And again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm just, if we're kind of thinking about, you know, the lens here is what's the learning that we might transfer? Like what, can you think of anything you explicitly do to ensure that it feels safe and that people can trust 
the environment? Because that's what you're getting at. Well, you know, on a very functional level, we have a very soft touch approach in terms of a festival. This is a very functional thing, but, you know, we, we don't make it feel difficult. So we make it easy. We, you know, we have low impacts in terms of security and checks and things like that. So that's a very functional thing. But all of those things add to the mix of making it feel relaxed. The biggest thing, though, Matt, is that it goes back to that history thing. It's just trickled down over years and years and years of doing it and having that sort of overwhelming number of people that have experienced it many times means that new people come and just instantly go, whoa, there's some sort of energy here that makes me feel incredibly safe. Now, how you transfer that into every, everyday life is incredibly difficult, <laughs> but it's achievable. You know, it's, it's, it is something around authenticity, isn't it? It's around the fact that those people that are giving off that vibe, for want of a better word, truly experiencing it because they're being themselves. They're being authentic for once. They are being who they really, really are. They're most relaxed, engaged, creative, positive selves. And I think finding a way of bringing that into schools or any place of work could be incredibly powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Be incredibly powerful, you know, trying to reduce it into a bottle and essence and, you know, taking it elsewhere. Well, imagine that what that could do, what could transform communities. And one thing that just really I thought about there when you talked about it's just over the years, it's trickled down, it's become safe. Have you noticed that I'm a great believer of what you put out into the world will attract, you'll attract back in. You're obviously putting out in the world that this is safe, mm. it's, you can belong and so on. Have you noticed the demographic of your festival attendees changing? Are you seeing people from maybe the margins of society you know, who might have been systemically kind of excluded? Have, have, have you noticed that shifting and changing, whether it's from an ethnic background you know, from that diversity angle, just curious as to whether that's, whether you've seen that change as a result of this sense mm. of safety. Not as much as we would like. And it's something we're very conscious of and something we, we really want to explore and work harder on. Certainly we attract and welcome a lot of people that at other large scale events and festivals would feel excluded or feel uncomfortable because of that level of safety and that level of community and that level of support. So we do attract those people. It's an area we'd really dearly like to work on and continue to, to push. It's a hard thing to market though. You know what I mean? That sounds kind of, you know, just kind of sell, but it's, it's a really intangible thing that you kind of like, how do we bottle that and sell that? It spreads by word of mouth. So there are people where I've seen more and more new customers each year coming who have just been told by their friends or the groups expand, you know, goes from five people to 10 people to 20 people who are all coming as this big group. And I'd love to um, work harder at finding those, those communities. Well, thank you. One thing I just thought of in relation to schools and you were talking, we were talking about how, it, how you take that and move that into an education sort of environment is just that togetherness and that shared experience. You know, is there a way of how the school, I have no, no, no understanding of how that works, but taking those shared experiences, bringing those into schools so that they're, so that experiences between teachers and pupils and the whole school environment have shared experiences rather than teacher and pupil experiences or Hey, pupils, we've got our theatre experience that's coming in. You know, how does that become a, a shared thing where everybody's 
having that same experience. I think that'd be quite interesting to explore. For me, that's the learning. That's, yeah, it's been a really interesting conversation that, you know, we're often working with relatively new schools that have been recently built. How do you find that heritage and that history? I know one school in China that's newly built, but actually it's partnership school goes back over a thousand years. So there's a real kind of real heritage there for them to tap into, but it's about being really intentional about that. I think we've heard a lot about ritual and the kind of role of tradition. And again, sometimes you may need to create that or find that if it doesn't exist already. And you you, you said the outcome of that is that, you know, it gets passed on. People who are new to the festival just pick up on that energy and sense that's how, you know, this is how we do things around here. And, it, you know, that trust is inherited almost rather than just, you know, a big sign up saying, trust us. That, you know, the real learning there for me around creating shared experience. And again, there's it can be hard to make the time to do that in educational settings. And sometimes yeah. it can be undervalued, but yeah, what are you doing beyond the curriculum and how are you creating shared experience? And yeah, what's the story? What are people's story? Do people have space to tell their story? It's been a really rich conversation. Thanks so much, Joe. How can people find out more about you and the festival if they need to? You know, we're on all the usual social media platforms. Jump on towersyfestival.com or you'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the usuals. But yeah, towersyfestival.com is the place to go. And, you know, we'd love to welcome more of you to experience this yourselves. I hope to be there. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Thank you for coming along with us on this principal journey. To learn more about making stuff better and how we can help you and leaders in your school, please do get in touch through hello at makingstuffbetter.com. Alternatively, you can find us in all the usual places like LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Links are in the show notes below. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you can, leave us a review. That's all for now. See you next time.